right, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Is It Over Yet Wrestling Podcast with me, Dan Cooper, and this guy, Sam Whaley. How you doing, man? I'm pretty damn good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, dude. I've kind of just crammed a foot-long meatball sub into my face in like quarter of an hour, and I know that doesn't sound that impressive, but for someone like me, it kind of is. So, yeah, I'm pretty full right now. How's your day going? <laughs> Uh, yeah, not too bad, actually. Uh, my wife has just passed her theory test today. Congratulations. So uh, awesome, man. So you guys celebrating later on, then? Yeah, sure are. Uh, lots of food. Lots of food. What are you going for, man? What are you going for? Uh, it's got to be Chinese, I think. Chinese is the ultimate celebration food, i got to say, man. We got one down the road in Bawtree, China Rose. Shout out to those guys. That place is absolutely killer. Oh, we love China Rose. Yes, uh, man. I heard a lot of good people saying good things, so shout out to those guys. Um, on the show today, we have an interview with up-and-coming um, wrestling superstar Axel Ray from EBW, and we also have a special guest from Win Column Sports Network, Spencer Love. So we're looking forward to covering some World of Trios with that guy. It should be a blast. So what do you say we get on with this thing, man? Let's see how the interview went with Axel Ray. I can't wait to hear this. The interview. All right, folks, uh, with me at this time is rising pro wrestler and EBW star Axel Ray. How you doing, man? Not too bad, buddy. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Yeah, I've just got in from work and I'm ready to talk wrestling, so I feel pretty good about that. Awesome. Uh, now, you wrestle for a wonderful company based out of the fine city of Sheffield, that company being EBW, Elite British Wrestling. We heard a bit about the company from your fellow wrestler, Mad Dog O'Doherty, but give us a bit more detail. What is EBW about and how did you come to find them? EBW is, we're just family-friendly entertainment wrestling. So it's it's not quite your your progress and your ICW and your you know your indie indie darling wrestling company. Yeah. A lot of the guys we we do that sort of stuff, but we're very family orientated wrestling. I found the company through uh, Dirtbag Dave Stewart, who's one of the uh, wrestlers on the show. After uh, years of um, well, not about a year and a half of saying, "Yeah, I'm going to come down to training. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to come down to training." I. Uh, I actually decided to go and do it and uh, never look back. Excellent, man. Excellent. I actually caught one of your matches um, earlier on today. Um, I believe it was you guys um, versus the Express. And there was some interference at the end by a, a fellow known as Hangman. Am I correct there? Yeah, yeah. That was I, a pretty um, entertaining match, i got to say, man. I really enjoyed it. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, that was back at our uh, Christmas show. We call it Winter Wars. That's like our WrestleMania. Cool, man. Um, that was, I tagged with a guy called Nate Daniels. I've then gone on to, um, I faced Harry Pierpoint, the hangman, many a times. Just never, not quite beat him yet. Not quite beat him. Yeah, he seems like a bigger dude. He had that kind of Braun Strowman appeal about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, he's very much a brute. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, in terms of wrestling in general, how did you get into it? And were you like a fan as a kid? I was never... Not a die-hard fan like most other wrestlers when they were kids. They grew up watching WWE and the Attitude Era and stuff. I never quite caught that. I had friends that liked wrestling. Ah. Um, I sort of played the games with them, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> I went around to my friend's house, and he was watching uh, Elimination Chamber when uh, CM Punk was champion. Ah, that was a good and, one. Uh, and I was like, this guy's awesome. Why haven't I watched this? So, uh, pretty much after that, looked him up on YouTube, watched all of his matches, 
after a while, kept coming up with, like, I was searching um, Punk versus Brian, and obviously yeah. came up with the old Ring of Honor days, and that's how I found indie wrestling and fell in love with it. Yeah, man. I mean, to say that that's what got you into wrestling is is really cool because, I mean, a lot of people you speak to, it's Attitude Era stuff, maybe like late WCW, but Punk, Brian, whether it was in like WWE or indie like Ring of Honor and stuff, it's all such a great starting point for for anyone that wants to get into like mic work or, you know, like in-ring skills. So that's such a good point to get into wrestling, really. Yeah. So uh, in terms of Axel Ray. Who is he? What kind of persona do you go for when you're when you're in the ring? Axel Ray is sort of a he's the sort of guy that you go to like a, a metal concert and he's the guy in the middle of the mosh pit just giving it his all, just nice. throwing his throwing his weight around, just doing anything he can. Just there for a, a good time, really. Just your generic metalhead, punk, alternative guy. But when it comes down to it, and when he has serious matches, he's all game plan, no jokes aside, straight on there. Awesome, man. Where'd you come up with the name, can I ask? It's from, um, on WWE, one of the games. It was one of the custom characters I made. Oh, right. Like, years ago. That's the dream, really. That's the dream. Like, I I mean, I've made plenty of, you know, custom characters on those games. Some terrible, some are right. But to be able to kind of go out there and emulate that character in the ring, that's killer, man. I like that. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. So in, <laughs> in terms of like in-ring style, what, what style do you favour? Like technical, kind of brawling? A sort of a striker. Okay. At the minute, so I use a lot of forearms and kicks. Uh-huh. Um, whether or not that's... If I'm bad at wrestling, I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, we spoke to we spoke to uh, your, your fellow wrestler, Mad Dog, and obviously he favors yeah. the strikes and whatnot uh, because he's yeah. got from like a martial arts background and, and that kind of thing. And I think we see we're seeing a lot more of that in wrestling today. So oh, definitely. I don't think that's anything against any wrestling ability. You know, if if that's what you favor, then that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, I think definitely with the striking ability, we've got with wrestling at the minute boxing and mixed martial arts ufc it's very like out there for the general public to watch and for them to come to wrestling and go this is all fake some wrestlers it's like we've got to step it up a notch to go no it's questionable yeah of course man i mean the word fakes banded around in 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 the industry isn't it quite a lot and i mean a lot of people prefer predetermined or whatever you know but um yeah you guys you you put so much work into what you do so so fake is definitely not the word um when it came to your initial training uh, did you find you were like a natural at this kind of thing or did you find yourself faced with Um, like hurdles starting out the fitness side of the whole wrestling is was the biggest hurdle i had to overcome I, w- I was in shape, but when you realise how much effort and how much you have to work out and just that sort of side of it really knocked me back, I was like, wow. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you see um, people return to wrestling, don't you? Like The Rock and whatnot. Yeah. And they, those guys, he's he's in such a good shape, you know. You can like follow him on like Instagram and stuff. The guy is just ripped to shreds. But oh, then know, he yeah. he comes back for a couple of matches. He gets blown up straight away because yeah. it's all about it. Well, I'm not speaking from experience, but it seems <laughs> to be all about kind of conditioning, I guess. Yeah, you know, being able to kind of go out there and last the distance. So that's that, it's that very that, much it. A cardio-based game. Yeah, I can imagine, man. I, I couldn't do it. I run a little bit, but I definitely couldn't do it. I, I, I applaud what you guys do. <laughs> so that that's killer, man. Um, 
I find your and other wrestlers' commitments to the business to be totally admirable, by the way. It seems everybody is, is just dead set on helping each other out and helping the industry grow as it experiences like a true independent boom. So focusing on that, how do you feel about the wrestling industry as a whole right now? In the UK or just like in the world? Yeah, I, I guess focus on the UK, yeah, man. But I mean, in the world as well. If you look at UK wrestling... I look at it five, six years ago. It was, it was, it wasn't really anything. Yeah, I mean, it was there. There was, there was companies doing the thing, but it wasn't as nationally known as it is mm-hmm. now. Like guys travel to the UK to train with guys like Johnny Saint, Johnny Kidd, just to get that grappling, that actual wrestling side of it down, the technical side of it. I think guys like Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. You know, all those guys that have been signed with WWE, they put a lot of effort into making it as it was. Yeah, of course. Make, making UK wrestling, like, wrestlers don't just come from America and Japan. UK is sprouting so much good talent. And there's so much good talent that isn't getting noticed. Like, going from EBW all the way up to Progress, there's guys that are on there that aren't getting the recognition personally that they deserve. Cool, man. Well, I mean... I try and make it to as many shows as I can in terms of the British independent scene. Um, I've seen you guys a couple of times, as I mentioned uh, on the last podcast, at Tramlines, I think. Yep. Um, I'm going to endeavour to get out to to a, a good few, as many shows as I can. I live out in Doncaster now, but when it was Sheffield, oh, it was a, it yeah. was a little easier. Um, I but Doncaster. You, oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Euster, keyword. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, it's so true. I mean, I can't say that I was as aware of, of British wrestling as I have been in the past couple of years. I mean, whether oh, no. it's whether Same, it's yeah. WWE bringing it to the forefront, whether it's Progress, um, Riptide, stuff like that, yeah. that I just, you know, I wasn't aware of it. And, and just going to a couple of Progress shows and just seeing how entertaining it is and how good mm. the match quality is, you're just blown away. Watching the UK tournament on, on the network, I mean, I know that's a lot more mainstream, but it still exposes you to to what we have oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know as long as that keeps growing i think we're going to be yeah. you know a real real kind of forerunner for this whole for the whole independent scene um but yeah kind of growing out of out of this whole independent thing like is, is stuff like all in all like those pay-per-views that are just growing from underneath with you yeah, know yeah. bigger stars leading the way, but kind of exposing the 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 kind of the the more underground independent wrestlers as well, which I just yeah. think is fantastic, man. So yeah, um, kind of off the topic of wrestling for a second, you like myself as somewhat of a metalhead. I think you mentioned. Yeah. So I want to know what's your favorite metal record of all time. Oh God. Um, Putting you on the spot there. Sorry, man. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> I grew up listening to a lot of queen and okay. Muse, that sort of thing yeah um and then i sort of got into like um some 41 and that sort of punk era stuff yeah but man. i think the first actual metal track if you call it was uh before i forget slipknot oh hell of a tune man hell i, I grew up I on all that, that the one stuff. that that's the one that i was like this is awesome yeah man so uh what, what are you listening to at the moment um at the moment <laughs> music in general um i always go back to back and forth with queen um, yeah man i've been listening to a lot of um prince as well love prince man yeah love prince this is the thing with, with metalheads like 
you, we love old school pop and like that sort of era of Michael Jackson and, and Prince. It and, all comes together, doesn't it? You have people like Eddie Van Halen yeah. playing on, you know, Michael Jackson stuff. It all crosses over. So, and Prince, that guy was a better, a better guitarist than most metal players. Oh, so, definitely. You know, man. Yeah, that, that's that's a hell of a shout. <laughs> um, oh yeah, definitely. Back on the topic of pro wrestling uh, for one last question. Um, as a wrestler working for a great independent company, doing what he loves, I'm sure yourself and everyone around you has the aim to not only grow your company, but to kind of grow yourselves and progress to the fullest of your capabilities. So my question to you is, where do you see Axel Ray in the coming years? Definitely a uh, definite stable, like, oh. known guy for the EBW roster. Um I'm currently working, I'm currently in a stable with uh, two of the younger wrestlers, Will Joshua and Keegan Barnes. Okay. We're, we're the young and reckless. Um, I'm sort of, I've sort of taken them, I'm not experienced by any means, I've been doing this a year on okay. shows now, so I've sort of, they've sort of come to me for advice and stuff, and we get along and we're the best of pals, and we're sort of this little trio now. The first match we did as a uh, as a trio, we um, beat the Monsters, which is, which was at the time and probably still is the biggest force in EBW history and we beat them on our first night as a trios team. Wow. So it sort of shows, you know, where something should keep an eye out. Excellent man. So keep an eye out for the young and reckless, is that is that the stable name? Yeah. That, yeah, shout yeah, out to you guys. Reckless. Awesome. Thank you. Well, <laughs> um if people want to follow you on social media or catch you at shows, uh, let them know where they can find you or or watch you. Um, yeah, we've got the um, we've got an upcoming show. Uh, it's called Halloween for Heroes at um, the Wood Seats Working Men's Club up up in Sheffield um, on Friday, October twenty sixth. We are uh, it's a fundraiser show for uh, a little lad called Bobby Rogers who's um, fighting cancer. We're also on that very same show. We'll be doing the first ever Trios Tournament Cup. Awesome. So that's one to look out for. Um, I think the, ne- the next two shows for the year, we've got November Payne out at Waffle Pondern at Montgomery Hall. That's on Friday the 2nd of November. And then we've got, obviously, Winter Wars, which is our big WrestleMania show. We have a, uh, an afternoon and an evening show. That'll take place on Saturday the 1st of December. Cool. Um, so social media-wise, uh, do you have anywhere where people can follow you? Instagram is Axel Ray wrestler facebook definitely it's a uh, axel ray dash wrestler on facebook awesome stuff well thank you very much for coming on man and best of luck with absolutely everything you do um folks remember to check out those wrestling shows go along and see them have fun it's it's for all the family um so thank you very much dude thank you no thank you thank you for having me no problem man all right that was excellent to catch up with axel best of luck with everything in his future and catch those shows that you mentioned as well hit him up on social media and yeah just follow everything that ebw does because it's a it's a killer family-friendly wrestling federation so check those guys out anyway sam um what do you say we get down to talking some wrestling some current wrestling and do some world of trios yeah let's do it all right man let's go for it Alright folks, and welcome to the World of Trio section of the show, brought to you in association with Win Columns Sports Network. Speaking of which, welcome to the show, Win Columns Head Honcho, Spencer Love. How's it going, man? 
El Presidente. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. I have been a fan of the show even since before you guys joined us on the Wincom Sports Network. So genuinely, just psyched to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate that. Um, I want to know how's the network going. Fill us in on that. You know what? It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, we've got yourselves on there. Uh, myself, the host of Over the Top Rope, every Friday. Uh, we've got Fry and the guy who are joining us, and we're actually even starting to branch out to uh, to a few other sports. So, uh, if you guys are hockey fans, <laughs> I, cu- I, certainly, I could be. I certainly am. That is for sure. I certainly am. I think I will be by by the end of our partnership. Not that there's going to be an end, but you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. When exactly. one of us bites the dust, you'll like that. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to say, man. Thank you for wording it better than I ever could. How about we talk some wrestling? Top three wrestling highlights. Okay, so this is basically our top three highlights of the past week, this week, that kind of thing. So I first of all want to talk about the build to Ultima Lucha, which of course is like Lucha Underground's WrestleMania. Um, I'm just going to run down a few of the matches on the card, see what you guys think. How about that? Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome stuff. So the first thing I got here is we got two matches that kind of go together a little bit. We've got Ricky Mundo versus Tyre. Obviously, Johnny Mundo's bride there. And we've got Johnny Mundo versus Matanza in a Sacrifice to the Gods match. Now, basically, what's happened here is we've had Matanza Cueto sacrificing Johnny's worldwide underground crew to the gods for the past few weeks. Um, obviously, Matanza ruined Johnny and Taya's wedding. Um, but it's all been revealed that Ricky Mundo was actually the guy to unleash Matanza on this whole situation on the wedding. It seems like a pretty well-written storyline to me. I I like Johnny Munda. Obviously, the guy's got a lot of background. Matanza is Jeff Cobb, who is fantastic. Um, Spencer, I want to start with you. Um, Have you caught much of this storyline? You know what? I'm getting there. Like I said, I am sort of just starting to watch a lot of Lucha Underground myself. That being said, when I commit to watching something, I'm already through the first three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be honest, I may be using their uh, real names here a bit more often than you guys. Um, Johnny Mundo, very, very excited to watch him. Obviously, the guy is just, he's a star wherever he goes. To me, he seems like the sort of guy that you can plug into any promotion in the mm-hmm. world. And he's going to make an impact. So, <laughs> Johnny Impact. Johnny the fun impact. Exactly. Jeff Cobb, uh, not as familiar with him as Matanza, but uh, I just enjoy him as a wrestler. So excited for this. Hell yeah. Uh, Sam, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for every single one of the things you've mentioned there. I really liked the whole uh, Sacrifice of the Gods thing with Matanza. Uh, I think it's got to come to an end, hasn't it? It's going to come to an end at Ultima Lucha with Johnny Mundo. I'm looking forward to seeing Ricky Mundo as well. He hasn't really had a prominent wrestling role throughout this series, uh, more of a background role of, you know, he's been pushed to the back of the worldwide underground and he's jealous and obviously he's been ruled by that weird scary doll. Yes, um, so I'd is... like to see something come of that as well. Yeah, that that whole doll thing, man. I've got to say, not much about Lucha Underground creeps me out, but that doll sitting in the corner... It's, it's creeping me out a little bit at this point. I'm wondering where they're going to go with it. And with Lucha <laughs> Underground being like, you know, they can get away with pretty much anything on their show. 
I'm sure that they'll pretty much push things with that. Next one I want to talk about is it's a two out of three falls match with Dragon Azteca Jr., if I can say that right, versus Phoenix. So um, Phoenix was putting a casket in the Grave Consequences match. He came back kind of acting a little bizarre, a little bit darker. He's uh, he's put his, um, his girlfriend Melissa in danger, and obviously Dragon Azteca has come to the rescue here, uh, leading to this match. Now... Obviously, the Phoenix character, well known for being a high flyer, a popular character in Mexico in, in AAA, um, CMWL as well. Um, but yeah, we usually used to see him doing a lot of kind of top rope stunts, that kind of thing. But as of late, he's taken a much darker turn, not quite as many high flying maneuvers, a lot more power moves. Um, have you caught much of this one, Spence? Yeah, and you know what? I was just going to touch on that as well. I think the sort of slow transition here of Phoenix to sort of, like you said, like a high-flying sort of exciting guy um, to his current sort of stature, I, I love it. Like, the guy's obviously a phenomenally talented wrestler, and it's been very cool to watch him sort of highlight the other aspects of his character. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Azteca, yeah. the man. End, end of story. Love watching the guy wrestle. Um, I'm, I'm a very big fan of sort of the luchador style of wrestling. Um, and I think that this, you know, it may be a dark horse for the match of the night, to be honest with you. I think so too. And I think Dragon Aztec has been one of those characters that me and Sam have mentioned has kind of risen through the ranks in kind of various underlying storylines. And he's finally got that, sh that spotlight shone on him here um, with someone of the caliber of Phoenix. Uh, Sam, what are you thinking about this one? I always, I keep going back to this and I keep thinking to myself, if I was El Dragon Azteca Jr., I probably would have stayed well out of this. Um, <laughs> don't think I would have interfered with the girlfriend of an undead zombie wrestler, <laughs> especially not one of the caliber of Phoenix. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I think, I think like you guys have both said, this is going to be one of the matches of uh, Ultima Lucha. Definitely, man. And you know what I like the most about when you talk about Dragon Azteca, Sam? I always just say his name and most of the time mispronounce it, but you always go the whole hog and say El Dragon Azteca Jr. And El Dragon Azteca Jr. There we go. Oftentimes, I was going to say, you pronounce it in a lovely Spanish accent. So I love it, man. I love it. Um, next up, a brutal match between Mil Muertes um, and The Mac. This is all stemming from the House of Horrors match, um, building to a feud of like one-upsmanship ever since. It seems like the older star in Mil Muertes, who we've seen in Impact, uh, we've seen around the Mexican scene, and of course, prominently in Lucha Underground, is trying to elevate this new star, the Mac, um, who seems to be featured everywhere on the indies. Um, I'm going to go with you, Sam, first. What do you think of this one? I'm excited for this one. I think, yeah, I really like the Mac. I think for a big guy, he is agile as hell. Um, and, of course, there's nothing to not like about Milan Huertes. He is he's just such a great character. I love the uh, the undead thing from Beyond the Grave. Um, and he's huge. In it. He's like a really imposing figure. Uh, I like the way he uses the Aztec seal as to finish off wrestlers every single time. Can't see anything past Milan Huertes winning this feud, though. Okay, man. Yeah, definitely. And how about you, Spencer? You know what? I I am never, I shouldn't say never, but I've never been the biggest fan of, of the death match as a stipulation or anything like that. But this is, this is a perfect example of a situation where it makes sense. Like you said, since that House of Horrors match with many people, when they hear House of Horrors, they think of Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, you, remi you reminded me of that. Damn it. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> 
uh, since that House of Horrors match that the Mac and Muertes have had, um, like you said, it's it's been a game of sort of one-upsmanship. It has been sort of who is the most, I hate using the phrase, but hardcore wrestler. And I think yep. this is a situation where a death match truly applies. Now, is it going to be my favorite match on the card? No, but I also know there's a lot of people who just like a straight-up wrestling match that are just thrilled that this is happening, you know? So, totally. yeah, I think this will probably be my beer break match, but that is not meant as a compl- or, uh, uh, an insult whatsoever. Yeah, of course, man. And um, rolling along, um, this is the one that I am the most looking forward to, and this is the Lucha Underground title match. It's a Sierra Miero match, uh, and this is champion Marty the Moth Martinez versus Pentagon. Pentagon Dark, more specifically. Um, so a lot has happened to build to this one. We've had Marty basically cashing in his Gift of the Gods title shop a week early, which he won from... Sam, say the name. El Dragon Azteca Jr. That's what I want. So, yeah, <laughs> he won that from uh, El Dragon Azteca Jr. a week early with the help of Papa Cueto um, and also with the help of new, uh, new Lucha Underground star Reclusa. He picked up the win over Pentagon. So... Yeah, this has been an interesting feud. We even got, last week, a match between Pentagon and Reclusa, which was amazing, if, if you guys caught it. Absolutely fantastic. You know what? That match last week, uh, Reclusa and Pentagon, is the reason that I started watching uh, Lucha Underground a lot more. I think that I was lucky enough to go to All In this year. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Pentagon live for the first time, and man, the guy is just incredible. How was All In? Just so we can break away. Oh. I- and you know what? It was uh, it was just incredible. Even as I just watched it back for the first time on their uh, pay-per-view, or I guess not pay-per-view, on their New Japan, uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time. And let me tell you, it doesn't lose anything, at least for me, uh, in translation from the pay-per-view versus being there live. It was just such an incredible experience. Um, it, you know, the best way to describe it is a bunch of fans who were there to be wrestling fans but not get themselves over it was no CM Punk chance. There was nothing like that. It was just an excellent night of wrestling. So Pentagon getting to, getting the chance to check him out there live was incredible. I mean, you obviously see him all the time in Lucha and Impact, but uh, the guy just is another level above pretty well any wrestler in the world right now. Uh, Marty the Moth, obviously a very, very good wrestler, but for me, uh, Reclusa is the reason that I love this pairing. I'm a huge, huge Chelsea Green fan from years back. Uh, and to get to watch her in a match with one of the world's best overall was so, so cool. So to use that to build towards a championship match um, that that is going to be this high caliber, like, man, I'm excited. Yeah, man, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, Sam, what's your take on this, dude? I think if you'd have said to me a few, uh, you know, a month or so back that the main match on Ultima Lucha was going to be Pentagon Dark versus Marty the Moth, I would have maybe said, uh, meh, meh. But, you know, like I've said last week, or last time round, sorry, um, Marty the Moth is a different guy altogether now, and the pairing with Reclusa is really cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be better than what I would have expected, like I say, a month ago, certainly. Um, and going back to the match, Pentagon against Reclusa as well. She is one tough lady. I was really, like, shocked at how sort of brutal this was. It was better than the match with Mariposa the week before. Yeah, which was still a great match, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not taking anything away from that, but this is the 
first time I've properly seen uh, Chelsea Green perform, uh, and I was I was really impressed. I think to to look at her, you sort of maybe would have put her back in sort of the divas era of WWE. Mm-hmm. But when she gets through those ropes, oh, she's not that. She's far from it. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I mean, that's that's a great summary of someone, you know, that's rising, a rising star like like Chelsea Green, who's obviously been featured prominently on the indies, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Spence. But but yeah, it's just rounding off this match. A great card, um, a card that seems to have a little bit more promise than last Ultima Lucha. Um, whether people will agree with that, I'm not sure. But I for one, I'm looking forward to this one. So hell yeah, awesome stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like I'd like to move along to a slightly more controversial topic, if, if you will, gentlemen. Um, it's WWE in Saudi Arabia. So um, they've already hosted one very successful event over there, which was the Greatest Royal Rumble. I enjoyed the show for for uh, what it was. I I definitely enjoyed that show. I thought it had a loaded card. Um, it, it it did have the feeling of, of a bit quite a large house show. But it was still entertaining nonetheless. Current issues with uh, Saudi Arabia and, and the whole kind of the journalists potentially have been killed over there. It feels like it's quite a hot topic in the WWE at the moment. Um, obviously, WWE, they're a bit of a lose-lose because if they pull out of this uh, crown jewel pay-per-view that's about to go forward, stocks are going to plummet. And if they keep going with the pay-per-view, they risk alienating the fans who are kind of a bit up in arms about this whole political situation. Spencer, what do you think about this one, dude? Um, I'll, I'll start it off with my big thought. I don't think they should go. Okay. Uh, by this point, I think with all the rumors coming out there, even about the talent and their employees and all of that sort of stuff, I think this is a situation where you've got a real opportunity as a company who has the reputation of not always doing right by their employees, uh, to really make a statement to say, look, we're on your side. We do support what you guys are doing. Um, I can understand why they would still want to go. I mean, obviously money's money, but, um, the situation over there, it's just, it's its horrible, for lack of a better way to put it. And to see it coming out on, on shows like, like John Oliver here, and, and to really have even the mainstream media going, um, it would be silly to me to have them go over. Um, you have talent like Randy Orton and, and no talent like JBL going on Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, saying that they think that this would inspire change and, and this is a reason to go over. Um I, I understand that viewpoint. I just think at some point, for lack of a better way to put it, and probably even underselling it here, guys, um, there has to be consequences. And what those guys, uh, or what was authorized or not authorized, or just what happened in Saudi Arabia uh, is inexcusable. There needs to be some sort of punishment. And while it's obviously not obviously equivalent, uh, they should lose their WWE show that they really, really want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think I agree with Spencer there on uh, on everything you've pretty much said. Um, the way I would have seen this, I mean, the, the way it always seems to have worked with WWE is when they do these sort of obscure um, overseas shows, it's, it's a house show. So why they have to sort of like build this up as, you know, this huge pay-per-view and it's going to be on the network, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. Why not just get cut it away from Raw and SmackDown, cut it away from any sort of storyline. Let's focus on uh, evolution and, you know, just have Crown Jewel as a, a completely unknown house show just for the entertainment of, the you know, the Saudis who want it and they still would pay for it whether it was on the WWE Network or not, surely. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, both points completely and utterly valid. You mentioned evolution there, which I think is a great concept, very progressive, and all of the women of the WWE completely deserve that opportunity. Um, something that I, I've seen floating around a lot and I'd like to get you guys' opinions on is, um, do you think this is a, as a result of kind of the Saudi Arabia pay-per-views kind of not allowing the women to perform? What do you think about this one, Spencer? Um I don't think it can be discounted. I think that WWE would have headed this way eventually. Of course. And I think that the backlash from the first Greatest Royal Rumble, I think it did exacerbate it a bit. And I think that's evidenced a little bit in the build because I think that this is a huge opportunity, um, not only for WWE, but for the women in WWE. It is their first chance ever to really put on their own show. And I think that all of the women going into it have done an excellent job with what they've been given. I mean, even people look at Nikki Bella and they complain about the heel turn and all of that, man. Her promo against Ronda the other night on Raw uh, is getting completely lost in the fact that Ronda had one killer line because Nikki Bella was <laughs> unbelievably good on, uh, on Monday night. It's excellent to see her as a heel again. Uh, the work that the other women have done going into this, you know, I could sing all of their praises, but I'm specifically going to call out Ruby Riot here. Like, what an unbelievable job that woman has done. And... I think the fact that they've got it sandwiched in here between uh, an event that, frankly, shouldn't be going on and Survivor Series and all of these pay-per-views in one piece, if you were going to focus on any of them, this was the one I think they should have focused on, and it really took a seat on the back burner. Yeah, I, I agree, and we, we've been talking about this for quite a while in the fact that we're very excited about the Evolution pay-per-view. I mean, it's not only a landmark pay-per-view that's going to put the women on the map, it's going to give them all opportunities that maybe they haven't gotten in the past, it's it's going to highlight the future and the present, um, not to mention the past, of, of the, the Divas division, the women's division, that kind of thing. Um, so it's just a good thing all around. I guess my question was, yeah, it, it was definitely just is it as, as a result of, of the whole Saudi Arabia thing, but... But, you know, even if that is the case, as you said, Spencer, it's a great opportunity here. Um, how do you feel about this one, Sam? I'm really looking forward to this. I just hope it lives up to my expectations. Um, what are your just, expectations, man? Tell you know us. What, it, it's, it's just got to be given a chance, hasn't it? It's okay. got to be given a chance. And it's like I, you know, like I just said a minute ago, Take away some focus from the, you know, these old men who were going to be performing in Saudi Arabia, and let's focus on <laughs> these young women who were really, you know, like pushing forward um, with mainstream, uh, mainstream female wrestling. And yeah, okay, we've got Trish Stratus and we've got Lita, but you know, they're the only two. It's not like the whole show is focused on them either. Mm -hmm. There, you know, you've got the you know, the two women's title matches, which are going to be, hopefully, awesome. Um, I don't know, I just, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And as an add-on yeah. to all of that stuff, um, we, we get these these phenomenal uh, kind of final matches, the Mae Young Classic and, uh, obviously, Kyrie Sim versus Shayna Baszler. So, regardless of, of things that are on the card, maybe bringing back some past stars, we're still going to get presented with a lot of what the future holds in terms of the women's division. So it's win-win, really, because we get to, as you say, give this a chance, um, kind of see how WWE managed to roll out an all-female pay-per-view. And, and not only that, but it highlights everything that is to come. So I think it's a good thing. That's that's pretty much everything I, I wanted to cover on that one, apart from 
how do you guys feel about the World Cup scenario um, of, of this uh, Saudi Arabia pay-per-view? How do you feel about the fact that a lot of old veterans are featured in this one? Spencer, how about you? Oh, isn't this just the stupidest shit? (laughs) (laughs) It's so silly. I I think for me, tournaments are one of the coolest things you can do in WWE. They multitude of options as far as further storylines, as far as your future direction for the company goes, as far as all of that. And the reason that they've decided to do this, number one, I've got a, a, a huge issue with the fact that it's all Americans. Like, literally all Americans. You couldn't fit one person in there that wasn't an American. <laughs> uh, and number two, they're doing this as a shot at Qatar getting the World Cup, I guess. From what I've read, I don't know a lot about okay. the politi- uh, political situation in that. But what they've said is Saudi Arabia wanted to do something called a World Cup oh, because Qatar is an actual World Cup and because they're political rivals, uh, Saudi Arabia wanted their own. So... Wow. Stupid, I think, yeah, uh, I think the average age of the competitors, if I remember correctly, is something around the age of 42, making this like the most angry group of PTA fathers that I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. I think you've just I, kind of shattered my world by saying by saying all of that, really, the whole Qatar thing. I, I had no idea about that. And the fact that WWE are kind of fostering that idea and putting it into the yeah. mainstream, that's crazy. Oh. So, so dumb. I think that, obviously, you're going to get some great matches out of it. I mean, any tournament that features John Cena, Rey Mysterio, uh, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, like, the matches are going to be great. But I'm, I've, I've never been a fan. My biggest complaint about WWE is when they do something for no purpose. And this is about as purposeless as it gets. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've heard um, the Saudi prince that they kind of put in the whole show on for... He's a big fan of the kind of earlier era of WWE, so we're talking kind of late 80s, 90s, early 2000s. So not to speculate around this, but I get the feeling that the reason most of these more well-known names are in this tournament is to kind of appease his fandom. Because as far as I know, he's not really up to date on the whole WWE kind of modern era. So I don't know. One thing that I loved, I don't know. I don't know if you guys heard this about the greatest Royal Rumble, but do you guys remember that sumo wrestler that they brought out? I don't remember his name, but they brought him back basically because uh, they said that Yokozuna uh, was dead and he was specifically requested. Um, He was specifically requested for the event, even though he's been dead since the mid-90s. Hmm. See, I've heard so many things around this. That being one of them, which I thought was pretty outlandish. I mean, if you're going to book or kind of demand a show in your home country you would have thought you maybe would have a bit of knowledge about what's going on um but yeah um sam what what about you man talk to me i didn't actually know any of that stuff (laughs) about why it was why it was called the world cup because i was like my original thing i was going to say was why don't they just call it some sort of like battle royal or whatever and throw everybody in together like uh, let's say like the retro battle royal but um yeah, I didn't know that was the reason it was called the World Cup. Like I said, um, Spencer just came along and broke our world there, basically. <laughs> but um, I don't know whether to apologize or tell you guys you're welcome. No, no, you're welcome. It's fine. <laughs> you know what? You know what's really funny about this whole thing? Like a lot of the uh, qualifying matches for this have been against, um, you know, international superstars, who the American superstars yep. have then beaten to be in the World Cup, which it makes you know, like Rusev and 
Shinsuke, it just makes even less sense. Hmm. Yeah. It's odd. It's, it's like I was saying to you earlier on, Dan, I think maybe they're going to pretend that Rey Mysterio is Mexican. Possibly. I mean, a quick look on Wikipedia proves that not to be the case, but, you know, I, I, I don't think yeah. if the Saudi prince doesn't know much about the modern era wrestling, he's going to go on Wikipedia Rey Mysterio. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Um... I feel like we've uh, we, we've talked about that one a lot. That's a political hot potato, as well as internally in the WWE. Um, I want to move on to something a little bit more positive. Um, I've got written down on my notes, NXT, two weeks of awesome, um, which is pretty much my thoughts on the, on the past two weeks of NXT, obviously. So last week, we got a further progression of the Aleister Black attack storyline, uh, with Nikki Cross confronting the Velveteen Dream, Tommaso Ciampa, and that was during their in-ring segment. And then later on, she also confronted Cassius Ono. So, this week, Alistair Black returned during a fantastic Nikki Cross-Bianca Belair match, um, and he was pretty angered at what Nikki Cross whispered in his ear, assuming that she revealed who it was that took him out. So, have you caught any of this, Spencer? Oh, 100%. There is, uh, of any wrestling that I don't miss, it's on Wednesday nights. Hell yeah, it really man. is. NXT is... Uh, must-watch wrestling programming as far as I'm concerned. The May Young Classic has been even better for me this year. I know that's a bit of a sidetrack, but it's been even better than last year's edition was. Uh, yeah, Wednesdays, I, I have booked off of work specifically. <laughs> for that. I wish I could do that. Damn it. Lucky guy. It's just been it's incredible. I think that uh, there's a lot to unpack from the last couple episodes. I think that the Aleister Black storyline for me is it's just such a perfect example of NXT doing everything well. I mean, going into that triple threat match, I was so very excited to see uh, Aleister Black in the ring with the former DIY. Uh, I was really excited. It would have, for me, prolonged the uh, gargano Ciampa storyline even further, just given the fact I thought Black was going to take the pin. And then that all goes up to shit when, when Aleister Black gets injured. But rather than completely throw a storyline away... Uh, NXT has built what I think is one of their best storylines in, in years yes. out of it. I think it's just such a testament to the fact that uh, their writing staff, I don't even want to sit and say Triple H or whoever it is, as a, as a collaborative whole, what an incredible job. Yeah, they really managed to kind of nail story arcs, don't they? And that's that's what we kind of miss, I think, sometimes about the Attitude Era. Obviously, we look back at the Attitude Era sometimes. It's, it's the Crash TV thing. The matches aren't that long and stuff. But we think back to the great storylines, um, the ones that lasted a little while, that kind of created intrigue. And this certainly has done that. I mean, for a start, Alistair Black returned during a match that was pretty much showcasing two of the uh, future female talents that I think are going to be, you know, two of the best. Um, we've got Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair, both capable of being real hard-hitting female wrestlers, um, just giving it a great match. We don't really get an ending, though, because obviously we get the interruption by Alistair Black. Um, Sam, I want to know how you feel about the situation, where you think it's going. Give me the lowdown, man. I know what you did. <laughs> That's perfect, man. <laughs> You've been writing that. You've been writing that to me in text messages for so long. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel about this whole thing. You know, right? I'm really, really. God, how many times have I said, "Oh, I'm really, really excited about this." I'm really excited about finding out who done it. So. Uh... Yeah, that's about it, really. I, I, I just cannot get my head round 
who has done it. I really like the sort of like spooky re-emergence of Alistair Black. Um, with him being so angry, like, who could it have possibly been? Well, the speculation around it last week was kind of like she was, Nikki Cross was pointing the finger at three people. It could have been a collaborative effort. I mean, from last week, it would be a little bit too obvious if it wasn't any of those three, unless there's some kind of swerve coming. I don't know. I don't want to kind of play a fantasy book here because I always end up ruining it for myself. Um, so let's keep that one on the back burner for a little while. I just want to rewind a little bit to the previous NXT. We got a super compelling match between Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and Adam Cole for the North American Championship. Did you catch this one, Spence? And what do you think? 100%. And isn't it, isn't it cool to say that those are three guys that I could legitimately see leading WWE in the next five years? Yeah, like, man. You look at those three, they will, be, they will be all top guys in WWE. And to get to see them at this young when they're this good already, like, what a treat. I don't have any other way to put it. Just what a treat it is to get to watch this right now. Um, yeah. What else is there to say? I mean, you talk about Ricochet. The guy is quite possibly the most athletic guy in the WWE, period. Uh, Pete Dunne is quite possibly the best British wrestler in the world. I know talking to you guys, you guys obviously have a lot more insight on that than I do, but just watching that guy, I'm consistently amazed. And Adam Cole is the most popular member of the WWE roster, regardless of brand right now, period. I just, I love all these three wrestlers, but I feel like I've kind of touched on Adam Cole a bit more recently. I've been digging into his past matches. There's a really cool documentary, like a 15-minute documentary on YouTube, done by this guy that does loads of kind of indie wrestling documentaries. And it's all about Adam Cole kind of, you know, putting himself together on the independent scene, that kind of thing. It's fascinating. So I feel like I've got more of an insight into his kind of persona and like you said, just to see these three in the ring, it's it's almost something that's unimaginable if you think back four or five years. And, you know, just to witness the, the dynamics, the, the, the story that they're able to put together. It's not just flippy stuff in there. It's not just technical stuff in there. They're telling a story. They're getting from A to B to wherever they need to go. And, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, how do you feel about this one, Sam? I think what I liked about this one is the fact that you've got Ricochet, Adam Cole, and Pete Dunne all of whom can have a great match with anybody. And then you put the three together and then they're having a great match with each other. And yeah, there's, there's nothing more to say about it. It was just awesome. But I think, I don't know. It, everything's just getting better and better and better and better. And I just hope that when these guys eventually do make the jump, um, that it's going to be awesome. Otherwise, I would just prefer NXT to be a completely separate entity and we'll have all the best wrestlers on there and then I can stop watching Raw and SmackDown. Wouldn't that be a treat, man? I mean, I've actually started reading uh, news articles um, with people like Johnny Gargano saying they actually don't want to go to the main roster. Um, they'd rather stay in NXT and kind of create um, their mystique there and build their character. Maybe they're looking at the main roster and thinking, hmm, you know... I see what happened to that guy when he went up there, and it's not not really for me. So, well, any of them. You look at a guy like Bobby Roode. Oh, don't man! <laughs> You're gonna break Sam's heart, honestly. Oh, I'm already I'm already breaking my own heart. Like, do you not remember how cool go to go back to DIY? Do you guys not remember Glorious Bombs when he first joined the NXT? Oh yeah, for like doing all the uh, video photo bombs, listening to Bobby Roode's theme song. Like, 
The guy was incredible. Even a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura. I wrote an article two weeks ago about Bailey and just her entire run on the main roster. And you compare a run on the main roster, which, you know, as many people have complaints about it, hasn't been the worst of anybody to come up. She's a former Raw Women's Champion. She's still popular, but she was literally the greatest written, I think even up until this Gargano, uh, Gargano Ciampa storyline, is the greatest story in NXT history. I mean, And she's just another girl. The strange thing about that situation is it's a real kind of, um, it's a bugbear of mine and Sam's. I think on more than three or four shows, we brought up the Bailey-Sasha Banks storyline that kind of never has emerged to its full potential on the main roster. It's like they're teasing something and never really giving it to us. Um, and that never happened in NXT. So. And what better moment could they be waiting for at this point? I mean, you've got the first all-female pay-per-view. You have SummerSlam that happens in Brooklyn every year. I don't understand why they haven't pulled the trigger on this because it could turn out uh, to be one of their great missed matches of all time. Yeah, you've got two great characters. You know, pe- the people have worked on their characters. They've established themselves. The fans know what they are. The fans know what to expect from them. But like you say, the trigger has just not been pulled. And uh, sooner or later, the fans kind of, it'll get to a boy who cried wolf situation. The fans just won't care. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just speaking from my own experience, not to get too fanboy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much all we wanted to cover on this one. So um, thank you very much for joining us for, for this week's Wilder Trio, Spencer. A mark in history. Get it? Hey folks, and welcome to A Mark in History. This is the part of the show where we talk about an event that happened this week in pro wrestling days gone by. Now this week, specifically Sunday the 14th of October, marks the days of the 1988 King of the Ring tournament, won by none other than the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. But hold on, you might be thinking, I remember the first King of the Ring being 1993, with Bret Hart picking up the win and shortly after been attacked by new WWF acquisition Jerry the King Lawler, not to mention Hulk Hogan been driven from the company by the mammoth Yokozuna. Well, you would be half right. The 1993 edition of the show was indeed the first televised King of the Ring, but the actual tournament stems back to 1985 with Don Morocco picking up a win over the heavily quoted Iron Sheik. Fucking bullshit! Other winners in the non-televised era of King of the Ring include Macho Man Randy Savage, whose heel Macho King moniker stemmed from his 1987 tournament win, and Harley Race, who again went on to not only adopt the King gimmick, but became the first winner to don the cape and crown. The tournament would go on to be a fan favourite event, elevating many superstars' careers in the process, with moments such as Stone Cold Steve Austin's infamous Austin 316 speech, the introduction of Booker T's King Booker character, and Owen Hart's villainous King of Hearts run. The last official King of the Ring pay-per-view was 2002, with Brock Lesnar picking up the win, and from then on it was featured sporadically, tagged onto Raw's and other pay-per-views such as Judgment Day. Most folks will remember King of the Ring for that one Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and Mankind. But the legacy of the King of the Ring tournament and the personas it helped create and elevate should not be discounted. A true part of the big pay-per-view lineup back in the day, raise your goblets for King of the Ring. Over 
Spike Rover. Oh yeah, dig it. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to our most over segment. Uh, this is a segment where we give you two, but this week it's three wrestlers that we thought were the most over. Now, this week, um, we've got Spencer from Win Column Sports Network joining us for the section. Spence, Hello. who is your most over this week? There's a lot of good wrestling going on right now, and there are a lot of people who I think are solid, like, number 1A contenders for this, for lack of a better way to put it, but uh, nobody anywhere in wrestling, anywhere in the world at all, can touch what Becky Lynch is doing right now. I think that she is on the absolute run of her career. I think she's got nowhere to go even from here but up. And uh, just holy shit, like, the run she has had since uh, turning or pseudo-turning, whatever you guys want to look at it as, uh, at SummerSlam, has just been incredible. She is still very similar to the character she had before, but still worlds different, if you know what I mean. She is still so endearing to fans, but is so true to her character now in the sort of pseudo-heel, I do things my way, and I think that's really resonating with a lot of people. So um, long-term, I think the only way that you can take this one up, and this is my official evolution prediction so don't call it fantasy booking uh charlotte charlotte is going to win the title back at evolution in a double turn i'm thinking very austin hart wrestlemania 13 style of uh of turn but either way my pick of the week my most over becky lynch controversial i like that one man i like that um sam (laughs) who is your most over this week okay i think you said that you were gonna you sort of already guessed who i'm gonna pick and you are wrong (laughs) <laughs> you okay. are wrong, my friend. <laughs> How could you this possibly week, know that? But please tell me. <laughs> I know, I know you're wrong, because this week my fa- my most over is not Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> okay, dude. See, yeah, I totally thought it was going to be Kurt Hawkins. So I, I'm, I'm in tears right now. Who no, is it? It is, in, it is in fact the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne. Oh yes, yeah. I'm doing the I'm doing the belt holding in my mouth thing I'm right now. I already do. I'm just sat here with my fists on my cheeks. Okay, okay, man. Tell us why. Okay, so obviously every single time he appears on NXT TV, he is awesome to the max. And just tonight, I have uh, caught the NXT UK first episode, and he had a match with the Scottish Supernova Noam Dar, and it was fantastic. And everything that Pete done does is fantastic and for the age of the guy it's just i don't know he's incredible and he is my most over this week fantastic man i mean i love pete dunn the guy can do no wrong in my eyes um but my most over this week and i i didn't see this one coming is tomaso champa mainly because this guy has just been killing it since he's been the champion he has upped his game on social media. He has come out and delivered scathing, ridiculous promos. Um, the only thing that I've not been too keen on since uh, since his title run is the addition of the theme music. What do you guys think of the theme music all of a sudden? If it was anyone but Tommaso Ciampa, I would absolutely love it. Because that is some killer theme music. Yes. Don't get me wrong. But like, it was beautiful. Him entering to know music. I, I will say... And it also speaks to the fact that Tommaso Ciampa is the greatest heel of all time. Uh, the fact that his reason for adding theme music was to shut everyone up is just <laughs> its beautiful. 
It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> if it's justified, I take back that point. Everything about Tommaso Ciampa, fantastic. So, yeah, that's my most over this week. Um, guys, we're going to put this up on Twitter, so if you head over to our Twitter site, please vote for these three and let us know who you think is the most over this week. Uh, Spencer, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Guys, yeah. please check out uh, Win Column Sports Network. Where can they find you, Spencer? Let, let people know. Well, if you guys uh, ever want to find me personally, I am proudly based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> Pot's legal here, so there's a little bit of a little bit of an incentive. Um, other than that, you guys can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at spennylove underscore wcs, or you can follow all of us on Wincombe Sports at wc sports ca. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Basically, if you look up Wincombe Sports on any sort of social media, chances are we're there. How active we are on it is completely fluctuate. Fluctuates. Look, you will. I like that word. <laughs> We're taking that. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much, dude. Um, please join us again. Okay. Absolutely. Anytime yeah, you guys please want do. To come on the show, I am happy to be here. All right. Take care, man. Speak soon. Yourselves as well. See you later, guys. All right, folks. It's been another fantastic episode of the Is It Over Yet Wrestling podcast. Don't forget to check us out on all of our social media sites. So that's twittercom podcast facebook.com slash is it over yet pod instagram.com slash is it over yet pod and don't forget to check us out on itunes spotify and all good podcasting mediums so from me dan cooper take it easy and from this guy sam whaley goodbye for now <laughs>